Hello everybody, welcome to Biblically Grafted In. I am your host, Michael Mannings, and today I figured we would start out with Grafted In. Where did the where did this podcast come from? Where what caused this podcast? And that is the story of being biblically grafted in. Many people in modern Christianity say that they're biblically grafted in to Christianity and religion. And we must actually look beyond the religion to find out exactly what we're grafted into because many of us do not really understand the grafting process and what it actually means to be grafted in and what are we grafted into in the first place. So today we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation Bible and I'm going to talk a little bit about grafted in because that's where this podcast got its start. The very first thing we want to do is we want to actually turn to Numbers chapter 15 verse 15 and 16, the two verses that are going to jump out at us for biblically grafted in. Before we can do anything, we must at least understand this basic concept. Native-born Israelites and foreigners are equal before the Lord and are subject to the same decrees. This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. This is Numbers 15, 15, telling the native-born Israelites that before Hashem, before God, that there's a permanent law. And the law was considering offerings, which you can find that all in verse, um, in chapter 15, verses 1 through um, the end. So we see here that right off the bat, God establishes a permanent law. Verse 16, the same instructions and regulations will apply to both you and to the foreigners living among you. Who are the foreigners living among nation Israel? Are they nation Israel? No, they're somebody else. They're in addition to nation Israel. Who are these people? I would surmise and tell you very biblically and very truthfully that these grafted in people, this whole grafted in discussion is indeed based here on what we read. It is us. We are not the bloodborn, generally speaking, we are not the bloodborn of Israel, the nation of the Bible. We are grafted in the moment we give our life to Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. You might be saying to yourself, okay, I can see your point so far. Is there more we can look at? Is there more we can study? How, how else can we walk in this recording? Very clearly, if we turn to the book of Joshua, we're going to turn to the book of Joshua now, and uh, you know, nation Israel is now under Joshua's care. Moshe, or Moses, has since passed, all at the Lord's direction, giving Yehoshua, or Joshua, the keys to the kingdom, and basically saying, the land right across this body of water is yours, go and get it. 
And so Joshua takes command, and he's a warrior, and he leads the people into battle. But before they get in there, into battle, we see in Joshua chapter 2, something actually happened. Then Joshua sent out secretly two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men sent out, set out and came to the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there overnight. So the Israelites are found out, and they're staying at Rahab's house. Rahab hides these men, these spies. Um, in verse 4, Rahab had, let's see, chapter 2, verse 4. Rahab had hidden the two men. So Rahab hides the spies. Why does she hide the spies? Well, in Joshua 2, verse 8, to start with, she explains it. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. Verse 9, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in this land is living in terror. For we have heard, this is verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path through the Sea of Reeds, or what we know as the Red Sea, when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings, east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. It is no wonder why our hearts, this is verse 11, it is no wonder why our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is supreme. He is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She goes on to say, Now swear to me, in verse 12, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family as I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when you Verse 13, when you conquered the land of Jericho, you will let me live along with my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all the family. So what we see here is we see that Rahab knows. She has maybe a word of the Lord. She, she knows for, for certain that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is about to stomp through Jericho, is about to destroy Jericho. See, and she knows this. And because she knows this, because it's coming closer and closer, and because she knows that the Israelites are, are there to scout it out, and, the, and it is eminent, certain destruction for Jericho. See, she is a foreign person to, to Hashem, to God. She is a foreign person. You know, the, Jericho worships foreign gods. And so she knows destruction is imminent. And so she makes a pact or a covenant with the Israelite spies. And then what happens? What happens? Well, what happens is pretty interesting because in verse 17, before they left, the men told her, this is chapter 2 of Joshua, chapter 2, verse 17, before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow these instructions, when we come into your land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window, which you let us down. All your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house, and they will be safe. 
They will be safe. And so we see right off the bat, there's a covenant made there, a contract made there. It's a binding document. It's a legal accord by verbal mouth. And this is the grafting in process, much in the same way as we take on that when we give our life to Yeshua, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, amen. We do the same thing. We make a covenant. We make a pact. We make a, we make a decree. And that's what's going on here. We turn to chapter 6 in Joshua, chapter 6 in Joshua. We look at 24 and 25. These next two verses are so powerful. These next two verses explain stuff. These next two verses show us how we're grafted in and what we're grafted into. Joshua chapter 6, verse 24. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. Verse 25. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in her house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent into Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Oh my golly, I tell you, this is so powerful. This is such a driving home point. This is so, so amazing when we understand this, when we catch this. And she lives among them, the Israelites, to this very day. She, Rahab, and her family, Rahab's family, are grafted in. They are grafted in, not grafted into the religion of Christianity, not grafted into the religion of Judaism. What are they grafted into? They are grafted into one thing and one thing only. That's nation Israel. They have become a biblical Israelite the moment Ruth, or the, sorry, the moment Rahab, Ruth is up next, the moment Rahab made that deal, that pact, that covenant with the spies, and the covenant was ratified by Joshua or Yehoshua, I gotta tell you, they became a modern biblical Israelite. Just like the moment when you stand there and you say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. Clean me of my sins. I, I give you my whole entire life. Take of me. I, use me as your servant, however you word it for yourself. The moment you do that is the moment you're biblically grafted in. You're not grafted into a, a, a religion of Christianity in the modern age. You're grafted into your Bible. You're grafted into nation Israel. You have become an Israelite the moment you give your life to Christ. Why? How do I know this? Because you can take Jesus's lineage all the way down. You can take Jesus's lineage all the way down and you can find out how far back it goes. This is what I'm trying to tell you people. This is what I'm trying to wake you up to. We are grafted in, not into a religion, but we are grafted into nation Israel. We have become Israelites, whether we choose to accept this or not. Turning now to the book of Ruth, because this is by far the most powerful biblical grafted in story that I have to offer you, that I have to prove to you who you are prove to you that you're a member of God's family, God's, God's chosen people, his set-apart people, his, his mishpaka, his family. So we're going to look now in the book of Ruth. We see in chapter 1, we see in chapter 1, we're introduced to um, Naomi. Naomi's husband has perished, and Naomi's two 
sons have perished. And it's just Naomi now, followed by two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And Naomi knows that she's an older lady. She's not going to marry again. She is not going to, there's not going to be no carrying on a family lineage. It is over. It is done for. And these two beautiful women, these two girls, these two daughters-in-law of hers would do better for themselves in life if they just went back home to their families and their gods and, and married accordingly again. But they protest. Ruth and Orpah at first do not want to go. And and um, Naomi stresses that she will not have children anymore. She's past the childbearing age. She is not going to. And even if she did, with these women who are now probably in their 20s, maybe teen, yeah, probably 20s to 30s. I almost said teen 30s, 30 teens. <laughs> but anyways, 20s to 30s, they were probably in their 20s, most guess. Um, they would not... Um, they would not um, they would not see husbands if they stayed with Naomi. So she protests and she tells them again, you need to go. And we pick it up in 1, chapter 1 of Ruth, 1, 5. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Now this is, this is Naomi talking to Ruth. Because Orpah said, okay, yeah, you got it. I can go get myself a family. I can be reestablished. I can, I can, um, I, I have many years left to go. I am going to just go ahead and do as you say, because you're the, the matriarch of the family. You're the woman that knows best. You're the older woman, the woman I'm supposed to respect. I'm going to take you up on it. And so Orpah leaves. Orpah leaves, and you have Ruth and Naomi left. This is um, Ruth 1, verse 16 through 19. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I gotta tell you folks, this should wake you up. This should be smacking you over the back of the head. This should be, you should be so overjoyed that right now you're starting to see that you're part of a, a, a not a religion, but you're part of a family. You're part of God's family. Baruch Hashem, that means praise God. Verse 17, wherever you die, I will die, and there, I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything to separate us. Verse 18, when Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Verse 19, so the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is this Naomi? The women all asked. So what we have going on here, people, what we have that we need to understand is we have Ruth. We have Ruth being brave. We, we have Ruth taking a step. We have Ruth making a statement such as, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And I got to tell you people, if you're not understanding Ruth, if Ruth isn't talking to you, you have a problem. You have a problem deep within yourself. If that is not speaking to you, saying, welcome to the family. Look at Ruth, how she was welcomed into the family. Look how Rahab was welcomed into the family. We are welcomed into the family. The moment we give our life to Jesus Christ, Messiah, Yeshua. 
we become family members. We are, we are not becoming religious. We're not becoming a religion. We're becoming family members. You and I are grafted in. We are now brothers and sisters. Baruch Hashem. Praise God. I got to tell you, this is so good. This is so good. But you might be saying to yourself, that's all Old Testament stuff. That stuff that you just spoke is Old Testament stuff. What about Paul? You know, what about Paul? What would Paul say? Because Paul is the most misquoted and misunderstood evangelist of all time. What would he say? What would Paul say about this grafting in? Is there a topic? Does he discuss it at all, this grafted in? Paul was both a Roman citizen and also a Pharisee who studied under Gamaliel, the, the high member of the Sanhedrin. And to be studying under Gamaliel, a high member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be invited. It was, it was all based on your, your following of God, Elohim himself. It was, it was all based on your understanding of the scriptures. It was all based to sit under a high rabbi, to sit under a rabbi with such esteem, people would be turned down from the option or the capability of doing that because you weren't devout enough. You weren't following enough. You weren't willing to learn from a teacher enough. So what does Paul say? Does Paul say anything? Paul does say something in Romans 11, and that's where we pick it up, folks. Romans 11, 16 through wherever we stop here. And since Abraham, this is Paul talking, and since Abraham and the other patriarchs were the holy descendants, they're holy, were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy, because the portion given was an, was an offering and is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, then the branches will be holy too. Verse 17. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people Israel, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, that would be us, the Goyim, that would be you and me, Goyim is Gentiles in Hebrew, that would be you and me, and you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have now been grafted in a wild olive tree, meaning walking in foreign God ways. So now you have received the blessing God promised to Abraham and his children, sharing the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. What is the root? The root is the Hebrew way. The root is the Bible. The root is following what the scriptures actually say and not making up traditions as you go along. Verse 18, But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not a root. Verse 19, Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Verse 20, Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ, in Jesus, in the Messiah, in Yeshua. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. Verse 21, For if God did not spare the original branches, he will not spare you either. Verse 22, notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind 
to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you too will be cut off. And if the people, verse 23, and if the people Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. Verse 24, you by your nature were a branch cut away. Um, sorry, you by your nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you in, into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back onto the tree where they belong. So here's the deal, people. How grafted in, how biblically grafted in, truth, not tradition, got its start is because of these people right here who are very much telling us that we are nation Israel. And if you think about this for just a moment, if you allow this to, to sit with you for just a moment, what Paul, the most misquoted, misunderstood evangelist, is telling us is that because of our faith in Christ, we are grafted in. But if we walk away from that faith in Christ and a member of nation Israel original, the bloodline, repent and return, they will be grafted in back in our place. And so we should be fearful of disobeying God, walking away from God, and walking away from God. Because look what God did in his severeness. He cut out those branches that were not walking in faith. He cut them out. He, he wiped them out to make room for you and me, the people that believe in Jesus Christ. And so the very moment that you give your life to Christ, you are following a Hebrew rabbi, people, a Jewish rabbi, of the day of the first century. You are following a teacher of Torah, of, of God's commands. Whether you choose to believe they're applicable or not is on you, but the Bible clearly tells us that they are applicable, that this is truth, that this is biblical, because I just read it out of Scripture. And the problem is what we're doing today in the modern church is we're denying, we're turning our back on the front of the book. Because if we turn our back on the front of the book, we can say that God's commands don't matter. And if God's commands don't matter, God just has to take us how, he, how, how we want him to take us. We don't have to bow down and serve him. We make God serve us. And that is anti-biblical. And that is creating for yourself a graven image, which is one of the Ten Commandments not to do. It's funny, out of the Ten Commandments, the modern church voids out number four. And they say that because Jesus died and was resurrected, that that changed everything. Well, Jesus was in synagogue. Jesus was going and praying um, to his Father. Jesus was, was keeping God's commands, keeping Torah and teaching Torah and keeping God's, God's very statutes. And if Jesus was doing that and he passed that down to the disciples and the disciples were doing that, and then we say, no, modern church doesn't have to do that, then we are not walking biblically. And the moment we step away from the Bible and start doing our own thing is the moment when bad things tend to happen. We will discuss this at another point with the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel will be a powerful lesson for us to back up the grafting in and what it happens when you walk in sin instead of your family. As I wind down, people, as I wind down, I want to tell you, I want to explain, I want to, I want to put this out there that welcome to the family that you didn't know you have, for you are prodigal. 
by your returning home to Hashem, to returning home to Elohim, God on high, Yahweh. Because, because of this family, because of his son's sacrifice, Yeshua's blood and body, because of these things, Jesus, Yeshua, grafted you in to the family. The moment you accepted the covenant, the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became biblically grafted in. All right, everybody, I just wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, this podcast starts here with Grafted In and will continue with biblical teachings that come straight out of the Bible in a way that you can process and understand to help you grasp that you are a member of nation Israel. You are Hebrew the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. I can be reached. Um, you can ask questions or anything like that um, at uh, simply biblically grafted in at aol.com is the email biblically grafted in at aol.com is the email and please email with all your requests and um, thoughts or topics that you'd like to see um, going forward and again i want to thank you for listening to this podcast thank you for taking the time to actually discover what the bible says and um, turn your back on traditions of man and the truths of Bible so that you can live biblically and do Bible things in Bible ways. Shalom and God bless.